to the Oklahoma Energy Podcast, where industry experts and top thinkers deconstruct the cutting-edge issues facing legal and energy professionals today. Find us online at oklahomaenergypodcast.com. Welcome back to the Oklahoma Energy Podcast, everybody. Uh, today we had a really great guest. We had Dan Steffens on, and he was talking about natural gas. And so we're switching gears from water to hit natural gas. And especially this winter, natural gas is going to be a very crucial source of energy with how cold uh, this winter is going to be. And Dan Steffens, he really got into the economics behind it, and it really was interesting. Uh, and I know Daniel Tavera has a joke that he would like to share with us about natural gas. You want to talk about that? Yeah, so are you are you talking about the gas that I get at the gas station that I put in my car? No. No, so it's not that. It's not that. Uh, okay, okay. Just wanted to make sure. The, the smelly the, kind. Yeah, the smelly uh, kind. Yeah. Uh, I guess they're both smelly. Actually, natural gas is actually odorized, and that all goes back to uh, New London, Texas, in the East Texas oil field in 1937, there was a school that was actually heated with natural gas and they didn't odorize it. And unfortunately, at the end of the school day, the school exploded. About three, 297 children and teachers died almost instantly. And so that's why natural gas actually smells as bad as it does is because if it leaks, you want to know it's going to, you want to know there's a leak so you can fix it. And I guess also natural gas, it's a huge uh, fuel for heating. And if you want to know how good the gas market's going to be demand-wise, generally the joke is you look at Chicago weather. If Chicago's having a cold winter, generally the the gas market will be doing extremely well. Because you look at the main states that consume, the top five states that consume natural gas are like Ohio, uh, Illinois, Wisconsin, I think Minnesota, and believe it or not, Texas. And everybody heats with gas in Texas. So... So natural gas is a, a huge issue, and it's also a sort of a byproduct uh, these days of oil production. Because if you look at New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, more than 90% of the wells being drilled are for oil right now based on economics. But you also, in almost every oil well, you get natural gas. So it's an exciting topic. Yeah, and uh, before we get into it with Dan, we just want to say a huge thank you to all of our listeners and again to everybody who made the podcast possible at the school. Uh, if you get a chance, leave a five-star review and a comment, and we would love to hear from everybody. Let's go ahead and get into our interview with Dan Stevens. Welcome to the Oklahoma Energy Podcast. We're coming to you from the OU Law Center for Technology and Innovation. My name is Dan Ray, and I'm here with your other hosts, Daniel Tavera, Brandon Lant, Professor Joe Dancy, and our wonderful producer, Ryan Dobbs. Today, our guest is Dan Steffens. He's the CEO of the Energy Prospectus Group out of Houston, which has more than 500 SEC-accredited investors. Dan analyzes the energy sector and hosts luncheons on energy topics. And thanks for joining us, Dan. Yeah, great to be here. So we hear that you're uh, bullish about natural gas. Can you tell us about that? Uh, yeah, about uh, three or four months ago, I projected that we would see $4 gas before Christmas. Wow. And we actually have already seen $4.70 gas on Dimex. Mm. And uh, the first thing all your listeners need to remember is the United States is the largest gas market in the world. We're also the largest producer of gas in the world. But what's most interesting causes these big price gyrations in natural gas prices is that we're 
basically cut off from imports. We used to have a lot of uh, uh, LNG, liquefied natural gas import uh, facilities, and now we don't have it. And we are exporting more and more gas by LNG just month after month almost. We've got several big plants coming online in the next couple of years. So our uh, the supply of gas is going up, but demand for U.S. gas is skyrocketing, uh, probably growing quadruple the level of demand for oil. Where is most of that natural gas being exported to? Uh, well, we're exporting out of uh, Sabine Pass and the Gulf Coast, and now we've recently opened up uh, new facilities in Corpus Christi, and there's uh, one on the East Coast. Uh, a lot, believe it or not, a lot of our exports go to Mexico. We also export by a pipeline to Eastern Canada, and then we're uh, exporting into just the global market. The, the ships, once they're at sea, they can go wherever the best market is, but a lot of it goes to Asia. And we're sending some LNG cargoes into Europe. Uh, Europe should be, get a lot more of it since they should reduce their dependency on Russian gas is what they should be doing. So uh, there's a lot, just a lot of demand. I mean, it's, it's the cleanest and cheapest form of energy on the planet. And so it should be no surprise that um, demand is going way, way up. Well, you know, Dan, Oklahoma has a, a huge uh, scoop and stack up here. Economically, uh, how does the scoop and stack look for natural gas, and actually economically, just for for oil too? Is it uh, are are we comparable to the Permian Basin and uh, the Eagleford, or or is sort of Oklahoma economically um, less desirable place to operate? You know, right now it's a very good place to operate because it's closer to the market. Uh, you're getting pretty much uh, Henry Hub prices for gas up there, and you know there's always uh, some discount for transportation charges and that. But uh, the Permian Gas is selling at a deep discount because they they unless you already have pipeline uh, contracts, uh, new gas coming online in the Permian, you almost have to give it away because there isn't any pipeline capacity. But uh, that those problems are being solved. Uh, no, the scoop and stack. I mean, they're primarily drilling for oil up there in the liquids uh but just depends on where you are in the play uh we had chaparral down here talking to us last week and their production is about a third a third a third between oil ngls and, and natural gas and of course they're very thrilled with the higher natural gas price they're getting here that they weren't expecting nobody was really expecting the spike recent spike so can they tie in these prices i mean and the futures curve we've seen the spike short term has the long-term futures prices for gas also uh increased well not that much the first quarter's up but then it drops off sharply because you know a lot of people just don't believe that you know where we're going it, it really matters where we end the winter in order for prices to be supported all year you have to get to the end of the winter heating season with like storage almost completely drained and i and i think that's where we're going to end up this year because we're beginning the year way behind average and uh if we have a normal winter we will end up with a very low storage level and refilling storage is part of demand annually and to make it safely through the winter heating season the u.s needs about four trillion cubic feet of gas in storage so and then the refill season is not a full year the refill season is about seven months and then you got about five months where you have draws so let's say that we end up with a tcf below you know where we should be in storage in april 
you take that and you divide it by you know the the seven months, and you've got to come up with another three three and a half BCF a day of demand just to refill stories that people weren't thinking about, and that's what supports gas prices for the whole year. Do I do not expect uh, the price of gas to stay anywhere close to four after we get past March, April? Uh, but it would be nice if it stayed, you know, above three. <laughs> a lot of upstream companies would be very happy to hedge in three dollar gas. Right. Yeah. What do weather forecasts look like, and how is this impacting your projections? Well, you know, the same people that tell us they know what the globe's going to be, you know, ten years from now, cannot predict <laughs> the weather. Ten, they can't predict the weather ten days. From yeah. Now, but, yep. Uh, you know, we're going to have a couple mild weeks, looks like, and then around Christmas, it's supposed to get. You know, colder than normal again in the eastern United States. All the forecasts I'm seeing is the pattern, and they're going primarily by the jet stream patterns. It looks like the eastern half of the U.S. will be, uh, you know, below normal uh, in in January. Now, if we get one of these huge polar vortex moves, you know, like the, there's a clear path of air for the from the the North Pole into New York City or Chicago or something, you're gonna you're gonna see a, a big jump in uh, gas demand. Just to put this in perspective, I mean, if you remember last year, January was not a particularly cold month. Last year, I mean, it was a slightly cold normal. We had a trillion cubic feet of gas drawn from storage in January of 2018. So if we have, we're gonna start this winter. Are, are on December 31st right now, it looks like we're going to have 2.6 TCF of gas in storage. Now, you have to subtract from that a TCF of what it was called base-level storage, where these storage uh, area, these caverns, and, and they, they have a base level. That's about a TCF that you really can't get to. And so you have the winter of with to make through this first quarter, we're, we only got to have about 1.6, 1.7 TCF. Well, if we draw it at one TCF out in January, you're only going to have six or 700 BCF to make it through the next couple months. And last year, uh, one of the patterns we're seeing is that winter is lasting longer. If you remember last year, winter went well into April. We had draws from storage for the first three weeks of April last year. So what happens if there's not enough gas in storage? If push comes to shove, I mean, absolutely, the, the, the pressure in the residential gas lines must be maintained at a certain level. In fact, they, they face criminal penalties if the utility hmm. company of Chicago lets the pressure in the, in the lines go too low. So they will go out and they will pay whatever it takes to go out into the spot market and they have to buy gas supply and what they're doing is they're buying it from industrial users they're buying it from uh you know a manufacturing plant or a petrochemical company that's using gas for feedstock and and a lot and a lot of uh industrial users do use use gas for direct uh power in their plants and also for they make stuff out of it. That's what plastics and things are made out of. So they'll buy their gas supply, but they have to pay a premium, a huge premium for that. And when we were at, uh, when I was at Hess one year, I actually got a payment and I looked at it, I said, well, they must have the decimal point in the wrong place because we actually sold some gas for $60 in MCF into the, into the New York market. That's incredible. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Well, what do you, what do you, you don't expect or do you expect to see this type, that type of problems in the Chicago and Detroit and Cleveland and the Eastern Marks? Uh, 
yeah, it, it could it could happen. I mean, there, I, there's already some fear in the New York market already. They've uh, in the end of November when we had that cold spell. Remember all those storms that moved through the east? Yep. yep. Uh, they uh, some utilities up there had to go out and pay fifteen dollars in MCF to buy gas on the spot market because they don't they lack storage and delivery system in the east. You know, here we believe in pipelines. You know, in Oklahoma, they 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 fight them every foot. So yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it's an interesting world back east uh, for some of this stuff. Well, in the futures market, could you take advantage of that, Dan? I'm, I don't well, play the, the futures. Spot market, is, uh-huh. uh, if, if the bidding in the spot market really gets wild, let's say, you know, you go to double-digit prices across the board, the biggest spot market is Henry Hub itself. Uh, there's a Henry Hub spot price, and you can look on that. But there's a lot of different hubs around the country where there's uh, spot sales made. Uh, very little gas. I mean, overall, most gas is tied to uh, futures contracts. It's also tied to contractual uh, deals. So there's very little gas that's sold at spot prices. Uh, but uh, it, it will it will drag the spot market up. I mean, if you just go out and Google natural gas price, historic prices, uh, you're going to see a wild chart. You think there's volatility in oil prices? Uh, multiply that by about 10 when you look at the gas price chart. It's all over. I mean, I got it recently. I've been right here. I'm looking at uh, it went to $15 in the NYMEX in the futures contract. Went to $15 back in 2009. We're not talking about, you know, 1909. We're talking about 2009. So in the very recent past, we've had double-digit futures prices. Well, you think going forward, um, you know, most wells in Texas and Oklahoma now are being, in New Mexico, are being drilled for oil. Do you think this will increase any interest in natural gas, or do you think it's uh, oil still going to be the prime target? Well, oil is the prime target, but the natural gas has a huge market. But uh, the fear is, and what, what keeps a lid on gas prices is uh, they're drilling for oil, but in all these shale plays, there's a lot of associated gas. And the, the good thing about associated gas, it's really high BTU content. It has real high energy content. And so, uh, you know, they, they want it and uh, also has a lot of liquids that they can extract from it. Uh, you know, your propane, butane, and all that. But the dry gas, like the gas that comes to your house, it, it even has a higher BTU content. So, uh, and, and what drove what drove prices, the, the, the similar situation we had, the winter we're having right now is a repeat of the winter of 2013, 2014, from a meteorological standpoint. The same patterns are in place as what we had back then. And uh, gas went to $5.43 in January of 2014, and then it proceeded to drop over the next 18 months and actually got below $2. And what happened was you had a whole bunch of uh, Eagleford-associated gas coming online. And uh, South Texas had a whole bunch of takeaway capacity pipelines that weren't full. They were able to get that gas into the market. And there wasn't much, as nearly as much LNG exports at that point in time. And it flooded the Henry Hub uh, with really cheap associated gas. And that's what drove the price down. So there's kind of this lingering fear right now that there could be a repeat of that when these gas pipelines are opened up coming out of the Permian. But the situation today is much different on the demand side because we've got the LNG exports. Plus, we have multiple pipelines now going into Mexico. In fact, Enbridge is today filling up a 2.6 BCF a day pipeline from South uh, Texas that's going into Central Mexico. 
Do you see natural gas prices becoming less volatile, uh, or is this just kind of going to be part <laughs> well, of the game? The, the more we, uh, again, we they probably will remain volatile, and the reason why is because we don't have much import capacity. Yeah, but we also have massive uh, supply. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but the, the the guys that own these this acreage in the Marcellus Utica, they're not going to go out and drill gas wells to lose money. Yeah. So there has to be a fair price. And in my opinion, the fair price is north of $3. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. they don't need to be taking all that risk to just barely break even. They're not going to do it. So that's where your big gas supply for the, the, the where the Marcellus Utica is in Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, West Virginia. That is in the heart of our biggest uh, region of demand for gas. But, you know, it, it's they're not going to drill wells for free. Yeah, absolutely (laughs) not. You know what I mean? So uh, another thing, I believe as we get more export capacity, probably when we're up to 10, 12, 14 BCF a day of export capacity, our market may end up being tied more to the global price of gas. How does that, there yet. How does the global price of gas differ from domestic prices? Well, most global gas is sold uh, in a relationship to the price of oil. So it'll sell for, you know, 10% of the price of oil. So if the price of oil is 100, it should sell for 10 bucks. So the price of oil is like, like the price of oil today, 50 bucks, uh, Brent is $60 today, it's selling for like six bucks. That's yeah. a very general statement. I mean, they're all, they're all, it's all done on contracts, so uh, you never can tell. But most uh, global gas, like into the uh, uh, Asian market, European market is uh, based on oil prices. Well, thanks for joining us, Dan. Yeah. It's, uh, we're we're uh, excited to see what the winter holds, and I uh, know natural gas market has been pretty pretty boring the last few years, actually, and, uh, <laughs> and actually pretty brutal for a lot of people, as you know, especially in the Permian Basin. So it's going to be exciting to see what looks what it looks like uh, going forward. Yep. Oh, before yeah, we go, I, though, the, uh, we want to know your prediction for the uh, OU Alabama football that's game. That's right. I'm afraid uh, OU's defense is not going to be I'm afraid you're right. That, that, yeah. That's a real offense, and uh, Alabama has real defense, so... <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think uh, if you stay within three touchdowns, it's probably pretty good. <laughs> right. All right, all right. You went to the University of Tulsa, so we understand that you yeah. have any loyalty we, here. We but, uh, anyway, well, thanks so much. You, you got a damn good quarterback, though, so he, he maybe can make it exciting. All right. Well, thanks again, Dan. We appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you very okay, much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Oklahoma Energy Podcast. Please leave us a review on your podcast host of choice and reach out. We'd love to hear from you. We would like to thank the University of Oklahoma College of Law, the Oil and Gas, Natural Resources and Energy Center, and the Center for Technology and Innovation and Practice. Find out more at oklahomaenergypodcast.com.